You are listening to Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. Expand your mind and keep it love. But I mean, what what do you want? Do you want it to go back to socialism? Yeah, I mean, no, well, it's not capitalism. It's not what we're living in. Is not capitalism. It's institutionalized criminality. Where half the Senate and Congress are blackmailed by fucking guys on islands photographing them have sex with kids, and then they have to go vote for whatever the fuck big business wants. It's not capitalism. It's gangsters, international gangsters. This is not capitalism. These buildings are, are, are owned by our Russian oligarchs and Chinese amusement park tycoons right. well, that are taking well, all this money. So this yeah. is nothing. About, this has nothing to do with Adam Smith capitalism. This is everything to do with crime, cabals of criminals enriching themselves who are not doing anything democratically. None of this shit's being voted on. It's all being fucking shoved down people's throats. Nobody votes on this shit. Why do you think the biggest proponents of immigration are on the right? They're on the right. It's the Koch brothers. It's Chamber of Commerce. All these big business guys want to pay these people a dollar. So right. that they don't have to hire black people and they don't have to sure. hire people that are low income in America. So what you see is, uh, you know, these immigration rates are cruel and they suck and I don't like what ICE is doing. But what happens is when you have these immigration rates, African unemployment, African American unemployment drops, people that are poor in that area then go work in these factories that were all. So I think there's, it, 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 I, I, I don't want communism. I don't want any type of collectivism. But we do have to rot. Like the, the Donald Trump's the result of a system that's been rotted out that people have no faith in anymore. And they're not wrong to not have any faith in it. They're not wrong to not have any faith in a system where the president of the United States can fly to a pedophile island 26 times and then the guy whose island it is gets killed in jail instead of being held accountable and none of his accomplices are ever held accountable. So they're not wrong to lose faith in that type of system. You know, but I don't. But do you really believe that that will change or can change? I don't know, but I I, I think the frustration is natural and understandable. Right. The idea that you have a system that is completely for one group of people, that rich people can buy their way out of prison, they can buy their kids' way out of getting caught with drugs. I mean, up until recently, if you were smoking a joint on on 125th Street, you were going to jail for three years, and you were going to have a a, a felony conviction and. Well, that's because potentially in the private prison system. Well, I was going to say the private prison. That they're trying to get yeah. toothpaste at a low cost. That's make tooth, right. toothbrushes. So, so you know what I mean? So the reality is, you have all this slave labor. Uh, that's that exactly is what the is it? modern that, day. That is modern day so slave I, labor. I, I, I agree listen, with Acacia you. Cortez is annoying. They, she doesn't have any power. I think you got to get off Twitter and you realize that people like Acacia Cortez, they don't have any fucking power. No oh, they one will, cares. Though. No one cares. They will. I mean, with who? Jimmy Fallon. The reality is, the guys that have power are still the people that want to sell water and air to you. Right. That's the problem. Here's my right. question. Do you yeah. really think it's what's your evidence beyond like beyond theory? Yeah. Know, beyond theorizing. Yeah. What's your evidence that this is widespread in the norm? What's what beyond do you Epstein, like, like Epstein and, and what was going on with, with you know is is a particular story about Epstein. Well, let's say wait, I mean, the Norman Weiss. So like yeah. Not everyone is touching kids. No, not it's no like, one's the Catholic that. Church. Almost all of them are touching kids. Yeah, but not everyone's saying everyone's touching kids. I'm saying that when you look at the ability of wealthy people to evade justice, that's that's the oldest story in the book. I know, but that's not, not a consequence of modernity. If it was your kid, it's not a good story. 
It's not a good story. If it's my kid and I'm rich and he gets off, it's a very good story. No, you know what I'm saying. Like, I, you know what I'm saying here. The reality is, if, if if it's someone that you know, if it's a kid that's being abused by somebody who's able to do it with impunity, it's 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 a very big problem. It's also a very big problem if if people are blackmailing politicians. Like, you know, all all these debates we're having are supposedly this good good faith debates about a system that people go in there and say, hey, I think it should be this. Another guy goes, I think it should be this. Let's meet in the middle. Let's compromise. Let's make laws. If you go in there and you're fucking owned and blackmailed and you, you're just not even representing the people in your district anymore, you're doing whatever the fucking corporation or whoever says you should do because they have power on you. And it doesn't have to be sexual blackmail. It could be financial blackmail. Quit. Hope you enjoyed that little introduction I put together there. This is episode 134. And of course, I'm your host, Miguel. I, this is a little bit of a hodgepodge episode, 134. A little hodgepodge. Uh, I'm going to sprinkle in different things. I'm going to talk somewhat on Epictetus and then extend it from that uh, vice and uh, virtue or virtue and vice, however you want to look at it. Uh, as far as Epictetus goes, the books that I would recommend from him and from my understanding to, to really follow him would be Letters from a Stoic and the Handbook. The Handbook goes by another name. I, I know it has a more, it's a more detailed thing, but that's as far as Epictetus goes. Also, Epictetus was a Stoic. So the other thing in this episode we're going to get into are the roots and the history of Stoicism, where it comes from, where it extends from, and its lineage, you know, the etymology of all that stuff. And now... That on the to- I'm on the topic of etymology. Um, the other thing I wanted to break down right now was the etymology. Of course, you know what that is. Etymology is the meaning of a word, like the roots of it. I want to get into that etymology of the word philosophy, right? So at its root, philosophy, the root word, there's phileo, which is love. Like, you know, Philadelphia is known as city of brotherly love. So phileo is love. And then the other, the other word uh, of philosophy, so it's phileo, sophia. Sophia, obviously, is an ancient Greek word for knowledge, right? So philosophy is love of knowledge. Uh, the other thing I want to, there's another word that I want to bring up that's really important. Uh, and I would suggest you look into it. It's hard to discuss it as things ascend higher up. It's hard to really put them into words. So it's something I would recommend you look into. But the word is arete. And I'll spell it A-R-E-T-E, Arete. And it loosely translated moral virtue, but I guess it's a state of mind, state of being, nirvana, something like that, where you uh, are, are searching for that singularity, you know, and you want to get out of this duplicitousness. So that's the whole, like, yeah, the etymology of the word philosophy. Uh, the other thing we're going to get into is, let's see, um, going to Arate. Yeah, I received an email and I want to thank that person. I'm just going to put their name as Ben. Because uh, normally I don't like to, uh, I haven't really been bringing in emails. I, I do get them. I appreciate it. I get feedback. Um, if you're sending me an email and you want feedback or not, or, or whatever the case may be, if you if you don't put anything in, um, I may or may not bring it up. But I, I will never like mention your information. 
So, but for, so from now on, when I do get, um, I'll do my best for every uh, email that I get to respond. And I've gotten a few recently. I'm going to probably in the next episode go back. But what, like I said, what, what I will do is as I read the email or check it out, I will um, give some, you know, feedback back on the air and, uh, you know, whatever insight you bring into the show, because I think it's nice that we all share the same thinking. But I got a, uh, an email from, let's see, hold on a second. I'm just going to put his name as being Ben. Same as Ben. Really nice email, everything nice exchange. But then he asked me a question. How come I refer to uh, Jesus as being my anchor? Isn't that contradictory? And I know it is it is kind of, because when you think about it, it's Alpha male Buddhist and such. Buddhism is a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. There's no word God in the religion Buddhism, right? What it is itself and realizing that God within, within the self, right? Um... So the way I see Jesus as my anchor to get to the point, to get to the answer, there are levels and dimensions to this existence that you're not aware of. There's experiences that other people have had that you're not aware of. So if I say to you now, right, like there's experiences that I've had, things that I've seen and everything like that, um, be honest with you, that what pushes me towards Jesus knowing that these powers exist look at what's going on in the world right now and even these young kids youtube last night because i was bored and i had seen the same documentaries and everything so i'm looking and i'm noticing that all of the these new mumble rap or whatever it's all satanic stuff man it's not a joke it's real it's real stuff you really got to pay attention Right, and if you, and first of all, they've taken all of my. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm from old school era, so I remember Run DMC and all. I'm from that era. I was, I was probably 20 when that Run DMC came out. Whatever. I was around that age. So, it, the music right now, the way I hear it, it's kind of like. Um, I'm not gonna say it's bad. And when I say the music, I don't want to just. I'm not mentioning all music. What I'm saying is this mumble rap, this new with this young, real young kids are listening to young young ones a lot of it not all of it honestly some of it i like man some of them drum beat drill beats and all that stuff that's cool i like that man nice sound uh from chicago i think that is drill or whatever that is that shit is hot uh all right anyway long story short i'm i'm straying away so yeah we're gonna get into all the them kind of different topics i did take some notes so i'm kind of flipping through them right now so we did get into the word philosophy, uh, ar- the word arete, the Greek word arete, meaning moral virtue. I want you to look into that, look, in, look into the meaning behind it and where it comes from in that state to attain that deep understanding, man, that, that would be arete, okay? Um, I spoke about the email from Ben, you know, talking about God, so yeah, just wrap that up. Uh, the origins of Stoicism are real interesting, man, because to get into Stoicism, like, as all things, man, when you're learning about something, you're going to want to always dig a level deeper and a level deeper and a level deeper to get a true understanding. You always want to try to get to the origin of the teaching. So, Stoicism, right? Stoicism is Hellenistic philosophy. You know, you could say Neoplatonism, Cynicism, right? So, Cynicism really gave Stoicism its foundation. It's two, probably two of its main pillars when you look at it from an operational standpoint. Okay, Stoicism, that is. The two main pillars, okay, that Stoicism got from Cynicism, 
uh, are, let's see, detachment from the external circumstance. And the second is uh, the major principle of uh, cynicism is, uh, cynicism is living in harmony with nature. So that's the second principle, living in harmony with nature. Uh, the founder of cynicism is an thesis I can hardly dis uh, pronounce it, a disciple of Socrates, and is considered to be the founder of uh, that movement of cynicism. But the one that really put it on the map is a philosopher named Diogenes. And he's the crazy one because Diogenes, there's a story about him talk about Diogenes real quick I'll just give you the story about him and that'll probably tell you everything you need to know about him he was known for living on the street amongst uh, animals and stuff like that and he really didn't take care of himself he was a beggar but he was so intelligent that when other people would come and challenge but he was a philosopher when other people would come and challenge him he would just he would basically put him away like he was now we're talking before this is before stoicism this is the foundations of stoicism so that we're clear here this is uh, we're talking about cynicism and how cynicism was started by this other dude, I can hardly pronounce his name, and then uh, his name was here, I have it right here in front of me, hold on a second, founder. so the guy's name is Antithesinus, who was a disciple of Socrates was considered to be the founder of this whole cynicism but like I said so once he's the founder of it but one like I said but once Diogenes um pretty much obviously around the same era over there in Greece um once Diogenes took to took to the philosophy he put it on the map because now people know what it is and so to put it in like I said in a one two three type of version to know Diogenes, I'm going to give you this little story and it'll give you an understanding of who he is, okay? Uh, one day Alexander the Great stopped over to see him as Ale and uh, as Alexander the Great stood over Diogenes, Alexander the Great said to Diogenes, you know I'm the kingdom, the conqueror of half of the known world. Diogenes, tell me, oh, you know I am Alexander the Great. What, what do you want from me? What do you wish from me? And then Diogenes said... I wish you would move, you're blocking my son. And then Alexander the Great looked at him, turned and walked away, and as he walked away, Alexander the Great said, if I were not Alexander the Great, I would want to be Diogenes. That's some crazy shit, you know what I mean? It's like, he said, if I were not Alexander the Great, I would want to be Diogenes. That's how much respect he had for Diogenes. So, um, yeah, I had this discussion with um, my nephew. You know, we were talking, he's out in Cali, in L.A. area and everything like that. So we talk once in a while. So we were talking on the phone and we were talking about the podcast and everything like that. And, and Diogenes came up. So as soon as I said Diogenes, he told me that he, he quoted the Alexander the Great story. That's how popular it is. Everybody knows it. So this is the foundations of Stoicism, right? So you have um, the two main things. That stoicism. Let me go to my notes because this is a little technical. So to get to get to the main part of it, uh, the main principle of stoicism at its core is focusing your attention and effort on what matters. Uh, the second main principle is 
or what matters is virtue and vice. And many times, these are things that are in your control. Because, you know, Stoicism tells you to focus on what you can control on. So this whole virtue and vice, the vice part of it, a, a large degree of that is, I would pr- probably say most of that is, is within your control. So virtue and vice, you're going to want to have your polarity set to virtue, okay? To do good always, right? Positive. Because what people don't understand is this whole existence is polarity. And people pursue power. Um, I don't want to get all technical and get all political and stuff like that and start talking about what's happening in the news right now with young kids and the school system and all that stuff like that. I don't want this to become too much like that. I'm just going to speak my mind what... What just to keep it at, at a some very simple level, the podcast just putting the information out. Um, like the question is this: You have a country and a planet actually where education, where employment is basically gone to shit. So you have a whole population of young people that have nothing to do. So basically, their own option is to go to the military, to the army, air force, marines, navy, whatever. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, if that's a choice that they're going to take to provide for their family. I know, as a matter of fact, I don't have the name in front of me. Uh, A person of title, you know, like, I think he's a master sergeant or something like that. Bought some of my t-shirts from my Etsy website. So I have total respect for military. You know, that's what we have, right? That's the situation that we're in. I'm not in favor of it and all that stuff like that. And I, I wish my tax money didn't go to hurt people, but the military aspect of it, those families and everything like that, I'm glad, more than glad to support that, and they support us, so we have to support one another, boom, whatever, but it's important, it's an important thing that we have an understanding, like, people associate, like, if you're a military person, or if you're this, or if you're that, they put a label on you, like, you can't do that, you know, you have to be flexible within your thinking, you know? And to go back to flexible within your thinking, it was like in the email about where I was talking about Jesus and all that stuff like that. How the how the email Ben asked Ben asked me how uh, can I say that Jesus is my anchor? The reason is that, and in in the reply I put that you have to have the ability and the flexibility to have uh, the ability or the potential. For two things that are diametrically opposed to what exists within one space in the sense of don't just dispose things automatically. You know what I mean? Even if you look you look at the thing on the surface and you're not really agreeing with what it is or it doesn't fit within your matrix, fine, that's fine. But don't automatically think of it as bullshit. And I'll take it a level further than that, man. You got to look at what your enemy is. Let's say the main, not that the mainstream media is your enemy, but it, it's something that you, that has nothing to, let's say, to, with me, right? So watch it, though, and see how it's constructed in a way. Like, just walk away from television or mainstream media, especially television and all the music, all that stuff. Walk away for two days, just two days. Keep it calm. Come back and listen to it a little later and tell me what you... Even th- maybe three days. And you'll see what I mean, how you... It's so predictive. It's so deconstructive and demoralizing. Like, just everything that's happening right now. All the music is being demoralized. And everything. It's not like a baby boomer, right? Oh, my time, I was... I don't want to sound like a baby boomer, but it's kind of fucked up right now. Because I'm a, I'm a positive-thinking dude, and I want positivity to you know to grow and to be blessed and to 
and to be put out for everyone equal equality and everything like that. But right now it doesn't seem to be happening that way because it's like this planet has so much to give to us and it's giving so much, but there's so few that are profiting from that real good. I'm talking about, you know, the really high ups right now. I have no the the middle class is being wiped out, basically. You know, the middle class has just been wiped out. Or being wiped out right now. And I, I heard it someplace, I don't know where, but they said that um I don't I don't want to ramble on the negative aspects of it. But, um, I mean, it's really important that we uh, give thanks for the, the couple of big things that, that have been on my mind lately is this. is One is gratitude. And then I, I constantly, not constantly, but recently I've been thinking about these three challenges that we have in life. And the three that constantly pop up are going to be fear, attachment, and ego. Right, like I'm not gonna get into those right now because, like, we all know what they are. But some, that's something that if you really look at them from any perspective, like that covers pr- pretty much all your bases. So that's fear, attachment, and ego, right? And all of if you just the weight there is, is, is phenomenal. It's crazy shit. So, so something just to think about, right? Uh, let's see. I don't want to ramble on too long. Been going on. Yeah, so yeah, it's been crazy. You know, I've been wishing to put devote more time to the podcasting right now because something that I really enjoy doing. But between my job, my work, it's peak time right now. It's Christmas, so I, I you know, I, I'm in, you know, in an era that gets very busy towards towards Christmas time and retail and all that stuff like that. Not that I'm in retail, but you know, I, I provide services to companies that get busier at that time and all that stuff like that time for me right now that in my home and working in my place and you know my doggie got uh she had like itchiness like a rash or something like that and she gets this like twice a year and i have to bring her to the vet she had to get medication i have a black lab she's my best but she's literally literally my best buddy and she's very healthy thank god praise god and she she can run and jump and everything like that ultra smart she's seven years old right now she's gonna be eight soon she pooped in the house here in her whole life two times uh i got her i think when she was eight weeks or seven weeks something like that and that first day i think she did it by mistake or whatever she just pooped whatever in the kitchen floor and then the second time kind of hidden someplace like the next morning my wife said to me if you ever see her by the door or whatever walking sniffing around in the kitchen let her out because she wants to poop so i come upstairs and i see her sniffing by the door I let her out she pooped I'm telling you. So from then on, she knew what it was. So that's how... I don't know. She's just incredibly smart, man. She's incredibly smart. She's loving. Uh, yeah. We'll leave, we'll leave that as it is. Eh? People that have Labrador retrievers or dogs, they're, they're close to them. They'll understand. But she's the best, man. She's awesome for me. So, yeah, I'm straying off here. Uh, you know what? I spoke a lot. Uh, I had a few words. Let me just go through my notes real quick. going to review. If you guys don't mind, I'm just going to... Just to make sure that I covered everything in my notes so we understand. Um, yeah, again, I highly recommend you guys looking at Tepictetus because he he's strict, uh, he's a stoic, and he brings a message that I feel stoic. I got to learn more on him, okay, Epictetus. Like I said, because I did, I did read a couple of things from letters from a stoic and a couple of things from the handbook thing. Um, but but he's hot today. He's very popular today. Everybody's like, you know, Epictetus, this and that. And uh, Epictetus, 
was a slave and he somehow got freedom. Let me just make sure. I'm looking at my notes here. Another influential fog Stoic philosopher of the time would be Seneca, and Seneca eventually became an advisor to Emperor Nero, which I believe is the same Nero that played the violin while Rome burned. That type of crazy Nero. So he didn't trust anybody. He was very paranoid, and he had um, Seneca killed, basically. Uh, so that he was very influential, Seneca. You know, the only thing he was not as strict as Epictetus. You know, Epictetus was known to be a very strict philosopher as far as following the Stoic way, Stoic teaching. And by that, we can see the strength of the philosophy because it formed uh, that, what is that called again? That cynicism, that cynic philosophy through Diogenes and the evolution of it coming through to create Stoicism. Through that, you know, Diogenes being as crazy as he was is the only way that you're going to be able to reach any types of true teaching because the best way, not even I'm going to say the best way, the only way to do that something can be done right is to be all encompassing. And when you bring Diogenes to mind and you say, well, why do you use the word all-encompassing and Diogenes? If you can't make the association, I can't force it on you. But the dude was extreme. He was known, you know, to defecate, you know, to shit right on the street. He was known to, like, pee right, you know, in front of people. And he was just crazy. He was crazy. He was known to walk on the street during broad daylight with a lantern lit with a candle inside and everything like that. And you know, looking really hard, and they ask him, you know, why do you have a lot? And he says, I'm looking for, I, I, I can't even remember what it is, you know. But he was just crazy. He lived among a pack of wolves or dogs, whatever. So, he, he had no possessions. He, he was known, Diogenes was known to be walking around one day. I don't know how much of a myth these things are or whatever, but this is, these are the stories we hear. He was known to be walking around and see a young kid, Diogenes, right? He was walking around Diogenes and he sees this young kid and he scoops up water with his hand and he drinks it with his hand. And Diogenes had no possessions, but he had a little cup that he walked around with. So the minute that he sees the kid scoop up the water with his hand and drink it, he took his cup and he smashed it. <laughs> and he's like, I will never walk with any, not even the cup position anymore. So back to the... Uh, the frame of thinking as far as being all-encompassing, right, and, and diogenes and cynicism. Keyword being all-encompassing. Diogenes was so out there, right, that he was able to reach those extremes. And as you, that gets, let's see, distilled down. And, I, you know, that that's going to give you more of what the Stoic thinking is, Right? Because what the Stoic thinking does it, is it puts you in a mindset where you're going to be able to handle all of this resistance that's coming your way and make it positive and make it, I don't want to use the word marketable, but make the philosophy a philosophy that's going to progress culture forward, you know, as far as being cynical, because there's a lot of negative things when it comes to cynicism, you know. Although it does have those main pillars that it did contribute to, to, to Stoicism, it's it's yeah, it's a big it's a big challenge. Now the other the other one that comes up, I was doing my reading here was hold on a second. 
Yeah. The two there's two different types of philosophers when you when you break it down and I see myself listening to different podcasts with philosophers on it and things like that. And I can see it right away. And the first type of philosophy, and I'm, I'm putting this to you because it's something worth thinking about if you're the thinking type of person, right? So the first, uh, the first type of, of a philosopher that I see are the, are the types of philosophers that um, look at it from an academic perspective, right? And this first group of people there, they're really concerned with the refinement of the philosophy and the tools that uh, people focus on and, you know, whatever. But they don't necessarily apply this philosophy that they expound on so much, uh, you know, outside of an academic perspective. They don't really apply it much to their own lives, you know. they It's almost like a profession for them. It's like a profession. They just do it and they walk away from it. Now, the second type of philosopher... You have a real, which to me is a real philosopher, is a person that lives what they, what philosophy they teach and they believe, and they integrate their life with that the way of thinking. You know, even though they're flexible and everything like that, but they do have like a base that they operate from. This this second level of philosopher, because like I said, the first one does it at, at at an academic level. The second one are the type of person that get into philosophy because it's literally part of their life and the way. Their operating system runs. It's like it's it's one thing to have a book knowledge or read a book or take courses, everything like that. Obviously, that's one thing. But when when it comes to something a deep level of philosophy, the way you apply it to your life and the way you live what you, your philosophy is and everything like that, then I'm going to be more prone to listen to the person that lives the philosophy they they uh, that they teach or that they follow or integrate with. However, you want to place that. So even back with me, like I'm, I'm the Alpha Male Buddhist. My podcast is Alpha Male Buddhist. I have a, I li- you know, I really integrate with Buddha. You know, I, I, I've read Dharmapada and the Four, uh, Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, all that stuff. You know, I have episodes on that. Um, but that has, I have zero problems with believing in, you know, having Jesus as my anchor, as my savior. And also being, you know, Buddhist, you know, following Buddhist principles and thinking. Has, that's zero problem for me. Because one doesn't conflict with the other, or conflate, for that matter, doesn't conflate with the other. You know, they're two separate and distinct issues, you know. Uh, now, for the reasons why I, I have my belief system the way I have it, and I, I, I'll be the first to admit it's a little bit um, challenging, I guess the word is, to look at that and say, oh, this guy, you know, you can see he's a hypocrite, or he's off of my Buddhist, but he's a Jesus. Well, you know what? If it's. The lens that you use, right? Like, if you're able to uh, transcend just, you know, day-to-day material stuff and what's marketed to you by, you know, the New York Yankees and whatever big corporations are out big today, then that's one thing. But the ability to see through all of that brainwashing that Edward Bernays, the the way that the Major League sports on us and how people like... I, I know I keep coming back to that, but it's such a... It's such a blatant thing, you know, and it's not just sports, but it's just all this big name brand stuff. Should you have one or two Gucci bags or something? Oh, you know, hey, why not? If you know you want a couple of nice things, yeah, get get them for yourself, enjoy them. It's something that um, gives gives us fulfillment in life. Sure, it gives you balance. 
you know, you're frugal in some areas, and then in other areas, you're going to get, you know, some alligator skin, Gucci, whatever, fine. Gives you some balance, and good, good for you. Take care of it, you know, and hopefully you don't attach too much to it. Because the danger with that is that attachment that you get with it. Sometimes some people, they're not able to handle um, their attachments. And it really doesn't matter. I think there's certain types of personality of people also that have are more prone or more predisposed to attaching to certain um, material things and such. I'll, I'll leave that part of it like that. So, let's see. The other, the other thing that uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, they were talking about Aristotle and how, first of all, how important he was to the whole, t- till today, really, Aristotle is really, and you know, the progression goes Socrates, like he's the father of modern, you know, modern day Greek, you know, philosophy, the foundations of Western philosophy, Socrates. Uh, but the problem with Socrates was, he's, they say he was so smart because he would question you, and he would just break everything down to you. But this, the only one problem with Socrates, he, he never wrote anything down, right? So, along comes this other philosopher, his name is Plato, and he meets, he meets, our, uh, he meets Socrates, Plato, comes along and he meets Socrates. So the first thing Plato does, now remember, Socrates doesn't write anything down. The first thing, Socrates writes nothing down. The first thing Plato does is he takes all of his philosophy books and everything that he has and his possessions as far as teachings on philosophy, he take, takes them and he burns them. And he's, he, he gets uh, some new writing implements, some paper, some parchment, whatever, gets them all together, and he says, I will no longer, that, that's, that, I don't know what that is, that's dribble. He goes, from now on, I'm going get, to get my teaching from you. But it was a per- perfect combination because Plato liked to write. And, and Socrates didn't write anything down. So Plato wrote Plato's Republic, which were conversations between uh, Plato and Socrates. There were conversations that they had. And it would, it would expound really the teachings of Socrates. They wanted to say what they had the same thinking, you know. Well, you know, just that Socrates, you know, is the foundation of it. So anyway, Plato writes Plato Republic, and then a couple of other books. But it's it's that's the chain of it right there. So you have your 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 your, your Socrates, who didn't write anything down. It comes up to Plato, who becomes the disciple of Socrates and writes everything down, and does it in a way where it, 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 it's so enriching because the, there's moments in life where you take one individual person and they equal one. And you take a second person and they equal two. But there's a certain moment in life for a certain time when you take one and one and they don't really equal two, they equal seven. You know, they equal, some, they equal so much more. And this is what you're getting with, with uh, Socrates and Plato. You know, the... the, the their contribution to everything. So, it goes from from Plato, it goes up to, let's see, I'm trying to, I'm doing this off the top of my head. So, it goes from Socrates to Plato to Aristotle. And Aristotle is, was also like a disciple of Plato because he went to Plato's university and such. 
And the little tidbit or the little bit of information off, off of this that would be very interesting for, for uh, people listening to, un, to know, if you want to look it up, and it's the real truth, is that Aristotle was the tutor of Alexander the Great. And as you know, Alexander the Great, at, at his time, I think he conquered half the known world. Alexander the Great, he was, I think till today he's known as the greatest general ever. Not that I'm a big pro-war guy, but this is the way life runs. You know, these are the, the statistics, these are the stories, and th this is what, you know, the analysis is as it comes down, and we're, we're viewing it in a realistic way, that Alexander the Great is known to being the greatest uh, general of all time. And what happened was, <clears throat> the way Aristotle ended up being Alexander the Great's tutor was that uh, Aristotle was Macedonian. And as a result of him being Macedonian, he had a close friendship with this King Philip, who was the father of, father of Alexander the Great. So at a certain point in time, I don't know, I think Alexander the Great was like 13 years old or t 10 years old. He was very, very young. They brought Aristotle in to be his tutor and to teach him. It, you know, obvi it's obvious that he had a tremendous effect and influence on Alexander the Great's life contributing largely to his uh, becoming the greatest military uh, leader of all time, Alexander the Great. And the interesting thing about that military at that time, this is pretty much known to be fact that I'm saying, when these guys would go in and fight and attack, especially, let's say, Hannibal from Carthage, or Alexander the Great, right, from from. Macedonia, when they would attack and fight against the Persians or whatever, they, Alexander the Great, let's say, he would be like the first dude or one of the first dudes running in with a sword fighting, you know, this is just the way he did. In, in one of the battles, when, one of the first battles, I think, or the first battle that Alexander the Great ever had uh, with the Persian Empire is that they clashed forces and he had about a third of the forces or half the forces of the Persians, maybe a third. And what he did was he pursued the Battle of Gogamela in 331 BC, where Alexander the Great was confronting Darius, King Darius of Persia, King Darius III. So this happened, uh, yeah, this happened back then, where they came into battle, and what ended up happening functionally was that Alexander the Great had less fighters. He had about a third of the people that... Darius the third had but the minute that Alexander saw, saw the situation where the fight was going in a certain way and the, and the number was having the effect it was having he himself personally and the people around him took straight line towards King Darius's chariot you know to his wherever he was back in the crowd because Alexander would be in the front fighting so Alexander just whole hog with his whole group of people made a beeline and they were starting to penetrate the line and make progress to get towards Darius III and there, upon seeing this Darius III was surprised and he saw that Alexander was making his way in getting closer to him he took off so this is the kind of thing that you know kind of thinking that Alexander the Great has in that it's unorthodox and outside of the box and, and, to, and to implement it at that level you know it's, it's somewhat amazing.
So earlier I was talking about uh, the stoicism and the vice and the virtue, right? So we, we got at the foundation that really cynicism is like at the base of all of it. So now with the stoicism, it comes down to vice and virtue in that it's the duality or polarity of all things, right? So you, you have your vice and your virtue in that you have a choice each time that you're confronted with a situation or as you conduct yourself moving in a certain direction to do something or to do something. You have you constantly have that choice in front of you of the vice and the virtue. Um, re, one of the, the way I see that meaning, that phrase being put down, vice and virtue, is that People think of vice of just, oh, he's out, you know, till four in the morning or he's gambling and it's whatever, right? This guy, all he does is he watches porn all day or whatever, whatever vice you want to label, you want to put on that vice. But they look at it as it being that, but it's not just that. I look at it also vice being, um, if you're conducting yourself outside of, of the parameters of natural law. And for those of you who don't know natural law, look up, you know, Google or YouTube, better, better off, YouTube, Mark Passio, natural law. And you might find more than 10 hours on that. And of those 10 hours, it might be in two videos. That's how the, the guy gets down for like four hours, five hours. Vice and virtue is the eternal struggle of mankind. The way I see it is virtue is making... A hard day's living, you know. In other words, putting your nose to the grindstone and getting done what you need to get done. And then, in addition to that, working hard element of it, not... To be honest with you, like, if you have money on a credit card and you, you're borrowing... You know, you're getting a credit card bill, and of that credit card bill, let's say it's $100. And of that, $70 is going towards interest. What kind of a credit card is that? You're, be, you're being robbed. You know, and that, that there's no virtue there, right? So that's vice. See, people would not want to put vice and banking in the same sentence, but it's one and the same thing these days. There's, there's no virtue anywhere. Everything is virtueless. So the thing is, the reaction to that virtuelessness, is, I don't know if that's a word, is... I'm going to roll it back, something I said maybe 10 minutes ago, and the three deal, things you got to deal with are the ego, the attachment, and the fear. Those are the three things. I think of those three, the easiest, like the quickest, flashiest one is the fear part of it. Because I think there comes a point in time where you're able to kind of conquer fear. You should listen to some of you people. I don't know the bent of your thinking or what you're into, but that Carlos Castaneda, I put something out. It was a two-part uh, podcast. I would recommend go listen to that and see if it grabs your attention from the beginning. So fear is an immediate thing in that the way chemically you, and neurologically you're wired in that you know that you're not going to be in a state where if you're in fear you know, fight or flight kind of a challenge that you're going to be in flight forever. So at some point when you're in that state of fear, you'll be brought down. 
so the reason the fear is easy to get rid of, what I'm trying to say, the reason why of the three, the fear, the ego, and the attachment, the reason why the fear is easier to get rid of is because I think I feel, this is my own opinion, of the three, yes, it's ever-present, it's always around, it's there, it's around the corner, we live, you know, fear, it's like, you know, think about it, there's a little side of fear that, you know, you might get on a roller coaster, you're afraid, it's fun. You know, so it's. I don't want to look at it as a, as a cancel canceling out something that I don't agree with or or I'm afraid of fear or whatever. Yeah, play on words, wordplay, Cortez. So, in my opinion, the fear is is the easiest one to handle. It, it, well, it might be the hardest one to get a handle of. It depends on what your bent is. Uh, What's happening right now, you have a lot of, let's say, younger people, and they want to get a home, and they want to get, I don't want to get a negative tilt on this, but they want, there's certain things that they want to do, and that fear is kind of ever-present in there, but it doesn't matter what state you're in, even if you're, you know, working the fry later, you know, making fries at Wendy's or something, if you limit your thinking to that machine, right, to that ding, fries are done, if you limit yourself to that, you're done for. You got to expand past that, and you have to make that the fuel that you're going to burn to move past all of that other stuff. I don't want to try to sound like Gary Vee and shit. Some, you know, I, you know, it's like all things. You know, I'm I'm going to shoot straight with Gary Vee. I like the guy. I mean, I did. I learned about branding with him. You know, with his thing. What a crazy podcast, right? We're going into branding here. I, I learned that from him, and he broke it down in a way that it made perfect sense to me, the whole branding thing, what's going on right now. Um, it's it's a challenge, man. So, yeah, I, yeah, we'll leave it at that. So then the two things that are left that the fear is gone is the ego and the attachment, right? Ego is something, is who you are. So there's no really escaping, escaping it. I myself am on constant guard with the ego in that it's just constantly running it's there it doesn't go away and it's who you are right your ego it depends on how you, how um conflated your ego becomes with the circumstance around itself so if it feels fearful if it feels challenged if it feels happy if it feels nervous if it feels uh, completed or incompleted or you know whatever 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 label you want to place on there but the ego, the problem with the ego, it has to be in a state where it's constantly fed, right? So there's different ways that people go about feeding that ego need within them. You know, the need to be heard. I heard it called up before, the need to be heard. Like, you know, a person, they just want you to hear what they're saying, right? Whether or not, whatever, they just want to be heard. So the ego... It all it does is it just wants to be heard all the time, and it wants to be the make the catalyst of everything that goes on in your life. It wants to be involved in making sure that all of these different things happen because you're the greatest person, whatever, whatever. To a degree, you're gonna need ego. I'm not gonna lie to you because if you don't, let's say, like I do sales, you know, and part of what I do, I do sales. So, you know, if you don't have that slant on your ego, where you can be. I don't want to use the word aggressive, but yeah, kind of aggressive and, you know, whatever, then you're not, you're, you're done. You're not going to be, make it happen because it's a little psychological. You have to kind of empower and energy and all that stuff like that. It gets a little psychological sales, in my opinion. Okay. It's a whole flow, right? 
One day I'll probably do a podcast on sales. I have my whole philosophy on it. I know it works because I employ it and I use the basic principle over and over and over and over and over again. And, you know, it has worked for me. And I've gotten some big national clients in that way with that same style of the, doing sales. You know, I've, I've closed big clients with sneakers on, you know, sneakers and jeans and uh, a uh, STP race car t-shirt, you know, like not Stone Temple Pilot, but the STP auto shit, you know, that shit on. And I've closed big deals. So it all, it all depends. So the ego is, is a big challenge, man. It doesn't ever go away. It's omnipresent. It's always there. You need it to some degree, right? Which makes it a little bit more confusing. But you have to understand it and how it fluctuates and make sure that the main objective is the, of the ego is to stay in the background. And what you need of that ego, you are requested to come up forward once requested, right? Now, all of these things, these ego things are going to be running and everything like that in the background. It's going to be like an antivirus, a Norton or what's the other one, right? So it's like an antivirus running in the background and you have to make sure that it, um, and as your day-to-day routines rolls out forward and you get breakfast and you're doing this and you're doing that and information is coming in your direction and different opportunities to engage yourself your personality your ego who you are your hopes wants desires and fears and all that fun stuff as all of these different things happen your ego proceeds to unfold in the sense of it's just going to start looking to get fed from from the moment you step forward and that's just the way it is, man. But people, I don't know why they don't have the ability uh, to take that step back and see it within themselves, like their own ego and their ego within their relationships with other people, how they speak to other people. You know, uh, probably a person sitting at a restaurant and then a person is serving them and the person that is doing the serving, they're doing their job, they'll have to deal with all of this type of ego comfort coming from a person that they they might be they might not have a lot of money that person that uh, is uh is waiting or whatever or they might be hard working they don't have a lot but that's on the monetary scale but on the person's scale they might be the most beautiful person ever right but yet they have to deal with this shit ego from this person who's coming you know and thinks that they can shit on somebody else just because that person is serving them at a you know at a at an establishment. You know, this is crazy shit that's going on. I guess people they get into crazy psychological stuff that should have no bearing on anything like that. But that that is really ego. What, what, what I'm trying to get is that's all ego at play right there because it just wants to get fed. And what it does it just clouds everything up. You need to put that roll that up that ego. You need it. Don't you can't get rid of it. But roll it up, put it in the back, and then make an assessment and take an inventory of that ego so you know where to slot everything and where everything belongs, right? As far as things that function in tandem or in engagement with ego because it's neat. it's like almost like a spice when you're cooking. You know, you put a little oregano, you put a little adobo, you put a little sazon, asofran, Sofrito, you know, shit like that that my mom would cook with alcaparra, you know, shit like that, manteca, whatever. So that's how the ego is. You put it in in, in little, you know, you sprinkle it in, and and it works beautifully. It's 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 the essence of life. It's it's the ego who you are, and kind of an expression kind of way, 
you know, because it, it, at the same time that it's getting fed, it's feeding for a reason. It's feeding because it's looking for that gratification of being fed, right? So that's the ego part of it. The other part, and it's really like I said, it's who you are, but it just has to be managed. The other thing is the attachment was an, which is an odd thing because the attachment element, because like I said, we're coming here from the fear, ego, and attachment. The the attachment element of it. As you know, Sarata Gautama, the Buddha, said that attachment equals suffering, and that all suffering comes as a result of attachment. Um, very powerful thing, attachment, that people are really unaware of. They're really unaware of all three of those fear, ego, and attachment when you break it down to them in that way, in that light, right? And how, how to deal with them. Because like I said, with the fear, there's really not much that you can do. You're, you're, you're in a state of fear, but what does that mean? You know, are you fighting? Are you physically fighting a person? Are you swimming to save your life? Are you doing one of so many different... Are you trying to close a business deal? Are you just having fun? Are you trying to have the most fun that you can just running down a hill or up a hill or jumping off whatever? Right, all of that, they all contribute back into the same thing, what, what you're putting into them. So the aspect of the attachment of it is that Right now, the opioid epidemic that's taking place right now is is really what attachment is to. Because what happens is you get people that um, I've heard it said that uh, I think it's oxytocin. I might be wrong, but I believe it is oxytocin. Is the chemical that oxycodone was based on? So, for for those of you who don't know, I'm gonna actually put a pause on this and I'm gonna look it up on Google. I'll be back one second. You know what? I'm not I'm not gonna spend that much time pursuing that, but. The way I, I know it, it's the, the replicates exactly the feeling of being loved. You know, that whole warmth, that whole nurturing and everything like that. Oxy, oxytosis, oxy, one of those. You can look it up. It's a, I heard it somewhere. I, I saw it on interwebs. So, those are the big three right there, man. That fear, that ego, the attachment, you know. Those are, like I said, the three things that I've been reflecting upon a lot. And this this other thing that I would just start getting into really would be Epictetus and then the virtue and the vice. You know, like I don't have a lot to lay down right now on Epictetus. I got to continue my research on that. I did I did do a podcast on Marcus Aurelius, the philosopher king, which I thought came up pretty good. Uh, and his book, Meditations, for those of you who are looking into Stoicism. Like I've heard it time and time and time and time and time again. The benefit of Stoicism is its utility, how it has the ability to change your your path, your life, your goal, you know, fulfill your goals, pursue the dreams that you might have or whatever. I mean, I know it sounds like some kind of hype thing, but it really is, has the ability to do that for you, the Stoicism, because what it does is it changes your state of mind, and we are what we think, as the Buddha said, you know, which is the first line of the Dharmapada, which is the book of... The, Buddha's words directly. It's a very thin little book I re- recommend people read. It's called the Dhar- Dharmapada. D-H-A-R-A-M-M-A-P-A-D-A I believe it is. If you type it in Google, it'll come out. But when you open that book, those are the direct words of the Buddha. The first words that you're going to read is all that we are is what we think. You know? So, that's that's really one of the more important things that we have to deal with these days. We just have to make sure that we make a concerted effort to seek out attachment with the family. It's funny, but I, I come from a family, there's a few of us, you know, I come from a mid-sized family. 
and I'm always the one reaching out. So Christmas morning, because I didn't get it, I did not get called. Puerto Ricans, we always call Christmas Eve. I got no calls, and I'm the youngest of all of us. So Christmas morning, I, I you know I get my my phone and I dial all of my siblings, and I say, hey, Merry Christmas. Ah. But what happens is it's a, it's an ego thing, and I'm uh, what I'm doing is I'm removing my ego and I'm I'm seeking out truth and things that need to get done and everything like that, you know. But then again, there comes a point where you do that too many times now, then you're hurting yourself because of the way the energy's flowing, and the way just you're receiving negative for stuff that you don't that you haven't done, right? And you but you're getting blamed for it. So there's many issues been neat like i said i need to just study up a little bit on um on our friend epictetus uh matter of fact i i, I believe i'm going to be ordering that letters from stoic and the handbook <clears throat> those two books i don't have them i believe i will be ordering them very shortly probably list, i listen to a lot of stuff on youtube it makes it very convenient so yeah just i'm dropping this in also i did an interview with uh, Javier Trujillo, the honey badger, the MMA fighter in Thailand, in England. He's going to be doing a bare knuckle. He won an event in... The guy I interviewed, I, I just did... My last interview was on him. Uh, won his last event in Thailand, won the sword, won the championship. Now he's fighting a bare knuckle uh, match in bare knuckle boxing. Uh, what is that? Association in England, which is a big deal. I know that's a big deal. I've heard of them before. So I wish him health and wealth and Godspeed on that. I wish that he's, you know, able to get a victory or a good decision and manages it, you know, as 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 the warrior that he is. I know him. He's going to be in the void. He's going to be doing this. Javi, it's my man. So, yeah, we, we all wish him all. All the listeners, I know we all pray for him and everything like that. And let's see. You know, I've been I've been going on here. You know, I, just, I, I, you know, I apologize. I always go off on different rants and different topics and stuff. I, I know people do like it when I get emails. I... I get reference how they appreciate the, the different nuggets that I drop. So, mm, I think that's a good part of it. And it's on random different things that I, I, I speak on. So, and they kind of relate into other things. And the funny thing, if you want to laugh, go to, there's a show called Connections. I forget the guy's name. It's on YouTube. Connections, like, you know, uh, pipe connections or whatever, just connections. It's a show from the late 70s. I'm not even the early 80s, the late 70s. Ball had a guy, British. And it would show like a light bulb turn on and then it show uh, like a, a, a cow taking a shit. And then he would relate the two. But he would show you the connections and the events that transpired that went from one event leading to the other thing happening, the light bulb going on. So I kind of see myself in that sense where I kind of throw out a lot of sparks as far as knowledge and thinking connection, being a catalyst with all things. So listen... I'm going to leave it at that. I really do want to thank you for listening. And namaste. I create an obnoxious amount of content. Don't do anything. Just keep watching. Keep watching my stuff. Keep being entertained by my energy. Keep being inspired. Don't do What's the ROI of your mother? The way you're going to make money online, and by the way, anywhere, is by grabbing it. Go, go get Gary V quotes. Pull up some Gary V quotes. <clears throat> we did a whole episode here on Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. See the guy they quote at the ESPYs and shit? Like they have a Not, Gary V award? Gary V is like a guy that's like best friends with every billionaire that started a company and just somehow didn't get involved in any of them, but he should have. So now he goes on Instagram and he, you know, he tells people that are like, you know, 700 pounds, 
that they too can own a. Let's look at some of. <laughs> let's look at some of these. Some of these. It's easy to dream, but much harder to execute it. Gary Vaynerchuk. People pay money for this. People pay money for this. Ready? Skills are cheap. Passion is priceless. Fear kills growth. Stop hanging around people who don't want to win. How about this? I would, I would agree with that quote if you just ended after people. Stop hanging around people. Stop. Retreat. Go away. Go away. If you live for the weekends and vacations, your shit is broken. Gary Vee. This is a retard. <laughs> One of them says, stop focusing on dumb shit. That's it. Gary Vaynerchuk, there's not a single winner on earth that took it easy. Oh, wrong. I know a lot of people who inherited money <laughs> who take it very easy. They're always taking it easy. See, I'm throwing some bones to the socialists in the crowd. Okay? Thank you. The writer's room realized many of you were upset at what you perceived was a defense of capitalism. Now we're going the other way. Okay? Um... I'm grinding when you're sleeping, Gary Vaynerchuk. This is a guy that masturbates to torture porn on the dark web. This guy cannot come unless someone is losing consciousness, okay, and, and is bleeding. The best marketing strategy ever, care. Ideas are shit. Execution is the game. That's so that's the real one, right? Ideas are shit. <laughs> Ideas are shit. Ideas are shit. Execution is the game. So this is your guru. Ideas are shit. <laughs> Execution is the game. Just make it happen. Make what happen? <laughs> Who cares? Execute Doesn't matter. Executing what? Doesn't if matter. Ideas but, are but shit. That is that is the money quote. That's the quote that explains all the That's other everything. quotes. Yeah. Ideas are shit. It literally cancels itself Execute, out. Hustle, grind. But what? Hustle what? Grind what? <laughs> grind. Hustle. Stop whining. What should I do? Stop whining. Hustle. Grind. But Gary, literally, what do I do? That's fear. Killing growth. You're afraid. No, but I'm asking. I'm literally asking you, what should I do? Start winning. Hanging out with winners. Ha Gary, how? I have diabetes. Gary, I need an operation. Gary, let me ask you a question. Okay? I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? Okay? The brands that connect with clients in a real way, those are the ones that win. Gary, my mother is sick. She's, I check on her in the night to see if she's still breathing. Okay? Content is king, but marketing is queen. Gary, I'm imprisoned for a crime I didn't commit. Well, content is king. Content is king. G Gary, I can't get it, uh, the appeals process. The lawyer is really phoning it in. It's a public defender. I... I think I may I think I may be put to death for this. <laughs> bet bet on your strengths. Bet on your strengths. Well, I'm kind of strong because I've been working out in jail for ten years. You know? But this is what I mean. Oh man. This dude, this is what I mean. Jeez. Like this psychopath, these are the people who are doing really well now. These are the people who yep. are doing great. The yeah. people that follow this model of just inundate you. With this idea that you need to go out and crush it and kill it. And you're like, what am I crushing? What am I killing? Yeah. I mean, it re it's just so, it's so crazy. People respond to effort. That's one of them.
passion is contagious. The game is my drug. Gary, you what? Know, what game? Right. <laughs> Gary, you know what else is contagious? Uh, AIDS. <laughs> AIDS is contagious, Gary. My father died of AIDS. <laughs> I mean, but this is what I mean. This guy sells nothing yeah. to people who buy it. And there are people out there who buy it because they, they, they want this idea that like they're going to be. I just don't know, dude. I, 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 I just, I look at who really succeeds right now. You look, you come to LA, these Vine stars, mm -hmm. these YouTube stars, really good looking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they're, they're, at, they're out there, they're playing with dead people. Or whatever they're doing, <laughs> they're fucking throwing eggs at some old lady in the fucking <laughs> grocery store. They're fucking. They don't have souls. They don't. They don't. Let me tell you right now. We've bred the souls out of people. <laughs> These people do not have soul, but they have content. Content is king. Yep. Um, they don't care. No. They, they they make millions and millions of dollars selling this positivity horse shit. This this it means nothing. Yep. It means nothing, you know. Uh, that's what it is, man. It's it's straight up sociopathy, mm -hmm. and and I I understand that those people in any system, no matter what, no matter what, these people are always gonna be great. They're gonna succeed. Instead of a motivational quote or some sort of clip, just want to go camera to face, just tell you how much I appreciate. All of you guys, your attention means the world to me. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is Alpha Male Buddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbead.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.